passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another Draft Podcast on the Baseball America podcast feed. I'm Carlos Colazzo, joined as always, by Peter Flaherty. How's it going, Peter? I'm doing great, Los. I know just like you, I finished up a, a piece that I'm really excited about in the top 10 non-Power 5 conference draft prospects, at least mm. from a personal standpoint. And then in non-baseball news, non-baseball sport news, um, it was another brutal weekend for me. The Seahawks got eliminated from playoff contention, and BC basketball lost its 11th straight game at the carrier dome so they haven't won there since i was 15 years old oh man well yeah, you so also have weekend i don't know how much this um impacts you but i'm curious if if like all the dunkin donuts around you today are closed in memory of bill belichick's career because as we record this it's the day of bill belichick leaving the patriots so how how much does that impact you i know you're not a pats guy but yeah, so like shockingly, I am not a Pats guy at all. I actually grew up and still dislike the Patriots, so I'm yeah. unaffected by it. Well, we knew um, you were a it, smart one, so I mean, that's not surprising. <laughs> but it is crazy, though. In the past two days, we've had uh, both Saban retiring and then also uh, Belichick departing. So it's two guys that are childhood staples of mine and uh, staples of every sports fan in the world. So it's going to be yeah. a really weird change of pace to not see – either of them on the sidelines next year agreed yeah has been a lot a little run of legendary coaches retiring in the last few years those two that you mentioned and then i think in college basketball for me maybe it's a little closer to home with both roy williams and, and coach k retiring on that's decently old at this point but on on the basketball note you mentioned your losses that you're suffering unc did beat nc state recently which i was very excited about that's always a fun one to have that they did. Yeah, I guess on the basketball front I'm I'm blessed with a uh with, with the best NBA team in the Celtics. So I'll I'll take the good with the bad. <laughs> Absolutely. Well let's pivot into some baseball talk. You mentioned your piece that you had this week. If if you I know it's fun because every year I feel like there are some questions we get on the draft side where people are really curious about who are the best prospects outside of like the obvious schools, obvious powerhouse power five schools we get some questions about like d2 d3 prospects so people really want to know who the top mid-major non-power five however you want to term it um prospects are so you have a piece on 10 of the players that you really like in that category i had a piece this week um plotting power contact and chase rates with some of the top college hitters that piece is always uh, a really fun one for me to do and then jj actually got in on the on the draft side and and he kind of looked at uh, a historic research piece on MLB teams that are the best and worst at developing pitchers, kind of a follow-up of a piece he had done a while ago looking at the teams with the most and least success developing hitters. So there's a number of new pieces um, focused on draft content. If you're listening to this podcast, I imagine all of those would be of some interest to you. But uh, we've got authors of two of those pieces here on the podcast today in plenty of 2024 college specific talk ahead of us so do you have any specific starting point peter that you want to hop into or where should we go first i was gonna i i really liked and enjoyed reading your piece i got a, a preview of the graphic um in our slack channel but reading through it i really enjoyed it so if you wanted to kind of drive the boat on on where to start i think um i think it'll lead into a a, a nice conversation 
Yeah, absolutely. So this was, I think the first time I did this piece was last year with the 2023 class. We just have so much data at our disposal nowadays that we previously didn't have. So even like thinking of being able to do a piece like this would not have been something I ever thought of in 2018, 2020 in that range. Now we, we have a lot more of this data available. So what I did was basically took um, this is all from 2023 spring seasons for all of these players. And it's also one of the reasons I don't have Seaver King's data, which would be amazing. He was at Division II Wingate, uh, so didn't have his data there. But basically just plotted 90th percentile exit velocity, overall contact rate, and then chase rates. All this is TrackMan data. Um, and the reason for that is just trying to visualize and get like a quantifiable look at really the three most important elements of, of what a hitter does. Like, do you hit the ball hard? Do you make contact with the ball? And do you swing at the right pitches? Um, so it's fun to kind of create this visual, see who jumps out, see which players get bucketed into which range. I think 90th percentile exit velocity has also been proven to be a, a pretty sticky and, and predictive um, stat, especially if you're like trying to decide between the exit velocity numbers. So that one is a, a pretty good one just to use if you can only use one, I think. Um, but in this piece, you can always kind of guess which players are going to fall into which range on the plot. I mean, it wasn't really shocking to me to see Jock Caglione and Indicata Jordan at the top of the exit velocity axis. And it wasn't surprising to see JJ Weatherholt and Travis Bazana towards the extreme of the, the contact axis. But there are always a few players who surprise you. And I think the player who may be surprised most in the exercise this year was College of Charleston first baseman Cole Mathis. And Mathis is probably as good a player to start with as any because he features prominently on both this story and the story that you wrote as a non-Power 5 name. Um, but he's kind of in that, I think I wrote this in the piece, he's kind of in that Nolan Shenwell well-rounded area of this board, of this plot. I mean, it's it's really strong contact rates. It's 83% contact rate overall for him, a 108.4 mile per hour, ninth percentile exit velocity, which is a few ticks better than what Shanwell mm -hmm. had at the same time a year ago. And then his chase rate is also a tick better, just a 17.4% chase rate. So it was pretty exceptional to see those numbers. I mean, he was a guy who we had entering this process on the top 100 list. I think you even had a tag on his name. You're like, I think we need to get him up a little higher in between that feedback you had, Peter, and just seeing this data, it just gave me a lot of conviction and, and just how well-rounded he is as a hitter. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Mathis. I know when initially viewing this plot, like I think anyone's eyes naturally will go to the one end of the spectrum and the other. Mm. Um, and you've got Weatherholt and Hunter Hines. And with Weatherholt, we've talked about him at length. Um, I think we talk about him once a week, but I mean, it just speaks <laughs> to how well-rounded an offensive profile he is and how complete a hitter he is. Mm. Um, and then with Hunter Hines, it's really all or nothing. Um, and it was at, he, he demonstrated as such this summer on the Cape and in 43 and a half percent of his at bats either struck out or hit an extra base hit. Um, so he is as close to a three true outcome type of guy as, as you have, I think from at least on these, the prominent hitters, but getting back to Mathis, um, he was a guy that I, I kind of just stumbled upon last spring um, and just kind of kicking around the notable CAA games. Um, I was watching college of Charleston and I saw, and I honestly just saw a stat line and I was like, Whoa, like who is this kid? How do I not know about him? Um, and he had a great year at CFC he hit three thirty with 20 doubles, nine jacks and 51 RBIs. He also walked more than he struck out, which I think was, the most underrated and arguably the most impressive part of his stat line. And then on the Cape, um, he, 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 that's where he really popped and exploded onto evaluators, radars and established himself as this um, potential top 100 overall pick. Mm -hmm. um, he hit 318, he hit 10 doubles, and then he was second in the league in both home runs with 11 and RBIs with 42. It was actually a lot of fun. Hines and Mathis were in this legit like home run and RBI race right down to the final day of the season. Nice. Um, which was a very fun aside and, and Jeff wrote about it, but um, it, I think it's, it's interesting to see him up against Nolan Sean well, because it was Sean Wells already a big leaguer and he's held his own at the big league level and kudos to him. But um, 
I've been fortunate enough to see Mathis and, and Sean well in back-to-back summers on the Cape. Mm. And I can confidently say that Mathis has much more impact than, than Sean well does. And that's more so a testament to Mathis than it is mm. a knock against Sean well. Mm-hmm. Um, like he it is easy he backspins the ball so easily to all fields and it is legit 60 grade juice that he has no problem getting to in game um he's got a really nice relaxed setup in the box it's big time bat speed with quick hands and a super whippy barrel um and again like he he drives the ball with authority to Mm -hmm. right center and he's done so with wood and what i thought again like is a little bit of a cherry on top both to your piece and then also to Mathis's profile as a whole. And this is far from an end all be all. Um, Mathis's 90th percentile exit velocity of 108.4 and his max exit velo of 114.1, comparing that to Tommy White. And granted, you have a difference in competition. Like it, there are a lot of variables at play. Um, but Tommy White's 90th percentile and max were 108.1 and 112.9 um respectively uh so i think that that speaks to the impact that mathis is able to generate and i'm completely sold and all in on him after what i saw on the cape (laughs) and i know positionally like it is murky because he's going to end up i think at first base long term but he does have a plus arm at third i the range is really limited and he's not a pro third baseman um so i mean if he if he was a pro third baseman he'd be a day one draft prospect without a doubt in my mind probably top 55 to 60 type guy um but where he is going to end up over at first base i think he's more of a an early third to to fourth round type guy at this point yeah i always feel like it's interesting when you have players like mathis who who actually go out to the cape and hit more home runs than they do um in the spring with metal bats he hit 11 home runs, like you mentioned, with Katua in just 38 games. He only hit nine home runs in 56 games with College of Charleston. I think the one area where maybe you could look to see him improve and really maximize some of that power that we're talking about this year is by getting the ball in the air. I mean, last year he had, I think he had nearly a 10% jump in his ground ball rate in probably the direction you don't want to see from a corner profile with this sort of power. It was a 41% ground ball rate in 2022 up to a 23, or excuse me, in 2023, it was a 50% ground ball rate. I mean, Tommy White is a guy who's getting the ball in the air 40% of the time. I would be curious to see what Mathis's home run numbers look like if he's able to push that fly ball rate more towards that 40% range. Um, because just just looking at all the elements of his hitting ability, the power, the contact ability, the swing decisions, if he can, I don't, I don't know if it's like a mechanics issue, it's just a bat angle issue. Um, if he can just put the ball in the air more, I imagine he's going to have fantastic numbers. And it's kind of surprising that he doesn't have this sort of double-digit um, power numbers that you'd expect. And I also think that maybe is just a reason why this exercise is so useful to do because the stats on the surface are very useful and you need to produce as an amateur if you're a top-ranked hitter um, for the draft. But I feel like there's a lot of specificity and a lot of information you can gain by digging into some of these numbers that, again, five years ago we just didn't have access to. So. Cole Mathis is a very intriguing one. And I guess how how serious would you say he is as a pitcher? He's a two-way guy. I mean, he's one of many two-way players in this class. The arm arm strength is legit. Um, considering how we've been talking about him as a hitter, do you think it's more of just an intriguing college option, or would you view him as a legitimate pro pitching prospect as well? He's an intriguing college option. Um, he's an advanced strike thrower, short, quick arm stroke. He was up to 96 this summer, but the fastball shape wasn't great. Doesn't get a lot of swing and miss with it. Um, and then the high 70s curveball, I think, flashed above average at times. It's got big mm-hmm. depth and some downward bite. Like it's a fine and fun option at College of Charleston and 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 collegiately. Um, he will be more than productive as an arm, but I think professionally. He's hitter all the way. He might get a chance to do both to start, whether it be at the complex or in single A, but mm-hmm. um, he, he's hitter only long-term. Yeah, I'm in agreement. And like I think I mentioned all the time, I'm much more inclined to push a player towards one one position or the other. So I would much prefer him just to get as many ABs as possible, focus on hitting, and then see what happens with that. Were there any players who surprised you with where they landed on this contact power and chase plot? Um I don't know that there was anything 
too shocking. Um, but I will say seeing, so I have this one pool of hitter. I kind of bucketed hitters. There's like a high power, low contact group. There's an all contact group. There's a, just a well-rounded hitters group. There's a questionable offensive profiles group, just depending on where you fall on the, on the graph. The only four, and I think maybe I probably could have included Charlie Condon in this group, but didn't. Um, in my like well-rounded offensive profile group, I had Nick Kurtz, Cole Mathis, Travis Bazana, JJ Weatherholt. These are all guys who had uh, strong contact, strong 90th percentile, strong chase rates. The one player who was like near that range and maybe could be, depending on how the approach shifts this spring, is Tommy White. I mean, no one doubts his power. No one doubts the bat-to-ball skills, um, but if you're looking at this chart, or if you haven't seen it yet, how we did chase rate it was just a color spectrum. Um, the more dark green your your plot point was, the better your chase rate. The more dark red it was, the worse your chase rate. Tommy White and Jack Caglione specifically stand out as like two of the more aggressive hitters here. And I just think both those players, but particularly White with where he's at in this graph, I would love to see them change their approach and get a little bit more selective. But at the same time, like these are both immensely productive college hitters. I don't know if you necessarily need to get too picky about the pro approach. Like, am I, am I getting too nitpicky with these guys or what do you think about that? That's a good question. At least with Tommy white. Um, I mean, right now the approach is what it is. And um, I, I think that while it's something to clean up in his game, mm. like it hasn't hindered the production at all. Um, and he's, I mean, he's just an aggressive hitter. Um, like I should just specify too, before you you go on Tommy White's chase rate was 38% and Jack Caglione's was 40.1%. Those were two of the more aggressive, just out of the zone swingers of this pool of players. And, and I think with white, like he chases a lot. And again, I I think it, 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 he just steps in the box where you hit, like he hates to walk and he doesn't want to walk. And I think that he can work the count when he wants. I know he's susceptible to spin and all of that. And then with Caglione, um, it's I think the hit tool is less refined than what White's is, um, both obviously in just looking at the graph and then also watching them both play. Um, the pitch recognition skills aren't as advanced, um, but the impact is one of one in this class, I think. Um, so it's just like, at least with Caglione, like you're going to take the swing and miss that he gets for the impact that he generates um, and I, I think that you can sacrifice, um, you know, whatever it is for the productivity mm. that he's going to bring. And then, yeah, I guess with white, I'll be just very curious to see what sort of hitter he develops into at the next level, because I do think he just has such a unique ability to put the barrel on the baseball, um, and generate such impact at really spots that most players probably couldn't generate the sort of impact he's able to. Like I'm very curious to see how that evolves in pro ball, how the power plays with a wood bat, how he's able to shore up the approach at the next level. Cause the, the contact skills are really solid. It's just, he's been able to swing at whatever he wants and have success. So until, until that doesn't work, I guess, keep doing it. But um, when you're projecting these guys into the future, it would be something that I was at least curious about. Yeah, exactly. And I, again, it's, it's a small little thing, but I, it, it would have been nice to see how he would have done either on the Cape or with USA to see how he would have handled himself with what I don't doubt the impact at all. That's, that's not a question, but just to see how he handled himself against, um, you know, the top pitching and he sees plenty of top pitching in the sec. So that's not a huge deal. And then there were a couple of other guys that were lower down on the, the impact scale, but um, piqued my interest a little bit. And that was, davis diaz from vanderbilt and then also dylan drying was another one from tennessee mm. and i know we talked about him last week um i would expect a jump and i'm projecting a jump in impact um he's a super strong bodied kid um we talked about he's got super strong forearms and, and plus mm. bat speed and reportedly over this um this summer and off season he had more impact and he he popped a 115 exit velo in a game um, in a scrimmage against, I think it was Virginia tech. And then in just looking at the plot last year, his, I think his max exit was one Oh eight. And so it's already a seven mile per hour increase than, um, his max from last year. And I know it, it, it's very random. He could have just run into a pitch, but, um, if he's able to add some impact, he immediately becomes, I think a much more intriguing prospect than he already is. Yeah. Um, he could separate himself from this cluster of players that, that do have 
solid chase rates, solid contact rates, and just like the pop is the question and, and just hearing about the added strength, hearing about the max EVs that he's already gotten into this fall. Yeah, he could easily push himself into a really uh, unique category on this plot. Yeah, and even with a, a, a few mile an hour uptick in in 90th percentile and, and average exit velocity, he would end up a lot closer to a Cole Mathis than he would this other cluster of guys who don't necessarily have crazy impact, but the bat-to-ball skills and approach are there. And, and Davis Diaz is one that the the approach and the contact ability really stand out. And I, I think I might be more bullish than others on his ability to potentially play shortstop um, at the professional level. And I saw him this summer play a really good shortstop on the Cape for the Brewster Whitecaps. He's got really good baseball sense with a great internal clock, and the instincts are are on par as well. The actions are really smooth. He's got quick feet, comfortable throwing out, comfortable throwing on the run, and from multiple arm angles, he checks a lot of boxes that you look for. The arm is above average. I think that he might profile best as a plus defender at second base, um, but I really like the swing plus hand speed. It's a quick, tight turn with his hips with a lot of torque. I think just the issue has been the lack of production, but he did have a good summer. I think that he's not a day one type of guy, but another third to fifth round type, third to fourth round type um, if the production ticks up. And it was nice to see him as a little bit of a a separate from the others on this Mm -hmm. graph. Yeah, no doubt. There are two other guys that I wanted to bring up, and those are the last ones that that I had that I wanted to mention. One player is uh, Rodney Green, an outfielder at California. He is kind of in this, what I would call uh, a Chase Davis bucket of players. The the chase rate for him is really good. The impact for him is really good. The contact is just a big question. Um, There is a lot of noise to the swings and moving parts. Um, but I kind of saw the player that, that shows up on this graph with the USA Baseball, a guy with impact, a guy that makes solid swing decisions. He works deep into counts, will draw a walk, but it's just a matter of like how much can he get the barrel on the baseball. I think entering the year, entering the season a year ago, Chase Davis had a lot of similar question marks and a lot of things that, that he also did well. He hadn't hit above 300 in a single season in college, but the OBP numbers were there. The power was there. You could see the athlete and the physicality. Um, and I think Ronnie Green has a lot of similarities there. Uh, I don't imagine anyone will be confusing their uh, actual swings anytime soon, but I will be curious to see what sort of improvements Ronnie Green is able to make with just the overall contact ability, because if he can improve that contact, all of a sudden he's looking pretty well-rounded as a hitter. Obviously, Having a contact rate around sixty five percent is is pretty questionable. That's it's a lot lower than you'd want it to be. Um, but he's a name that I'm intrigued with from a tools perspective, um, and and just given some of the power that he's shown, I'm curious to see how he'll adjust in his draft year. The other player, um, and there's some reason to think that he's already made an adjustment, um, is Cam Smith, Florida State's third baseman. He obviously had a tremendous summer in the Cape Cod League, but this or that performance is not reflected in this graph. And so maybe if you had started following Cam Smith when Peter and Jeff were following him in the Cape Cod, like you'd be a little surprised, but prior to his Cape performance, he was an aggressive hitter. There were some contact questions, not to the same extent that, that Rodney Green's were. His contact rate is just over 70%, but the chase rate um, was more concerning as a 33.5% chase rate. Um, and again, this is a guy who we've seen him make some of these adjustments that that you want him to make in the Cape and whether or not they translate over into the ACC with Florida state this spring, I think will be really crucial for his draft stock moving forward. Like green. He's another guy who has a lot of solid physical tools. I like the body, the arm strength, the raw power. Um, I don't think he's going to be the best defender in the world, but there's a chance he could play third base. Um, and so just seeing if his, his improvements in the Cape will transfer this spring, he's another player that I'm, I'm really intrigued with. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up both those guys. And and speaking about Green, he has one of the highest ceilings and is one of the most tooled out players in my mind in the entire draft class. He has a chance to to play himself, like you said, um, into a, a slam dunk first round pick and a potential top 25 or so pick. I think that the 
an easy comparison, at least body wise and a little bit of, of tools wise. And it helps they went to the same school is former Cal center fielder, Dylan Beavers. Yeah. Um, just as, as far as how tooled out they are. Um, I think Beavers hit tool was a little bit um, further along than greens was at this point. Um, but both super twitchy athletes tooled out to the max um, like with green in the box, there's a little bit going on, but um, he's got serious hand speed and there's a lot of buggy whip in his swing. And I mean, this summer I caught him brief before he went to USA and I know you caught him at USA, but like the good with him looks really, really good. And like he'll flick a ball to left center field, you know, off the top of the fence. Yeah. And he- We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search match with indeed. If you need to hire, you need indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. That's why I use Indeed for our hiring at Baseball America. It allows me to do everything on one website. I get quality candidates. I can schedule them. I can interview them. I can screen them. I can send messages to them all within Indeed. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Just go to Indeed.com slash Baseball America right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. If you see him when he's locked in and when he's timed up and when he's catching the ball out in front, it's really impressive to see some of the home runs he's able to hit. It's just a matter of like, how, how frequent are you going to be able to do that is the question, but yeah, there are, there are a lot of wow moments and then a lot of ooh moments. So it's like, he's got to kind of find a happy medium, but he's got the tool set to do it. Like you said, it's the pitch recognition skills are going to need to take a step forward and and the contact ability. Um, But like, he's going to stick in center field. He moves kind of like a gazelle gets great off the bat reads it's a quick first step um i i was really impressed with his ability to cover ground either gap the defense is is comfortably plus and Mm -hmm. he's also a plus runner and i think that in terms of the the speed tool and maximizing that i think there's one thing to be a fast runner just raw speed quick but there's another element to that and it's being an effective runner and knowing how to run Mm -hmm. and knowing how to base steal and green's one of those guys that knows how to run he's 57 for 60 in his career between berkeley and summer ball long lengthy strides really gets going once he um he's really moving once he gets going knows how to jump lead knows how to do a walking lead just little things like that that i think help maximize his speed um will go a long way and then with cam smith you hit on it but before the cape his overall contact rate during the spring season was 71%. And granted, it's a smaller sample on the Cape, but his overall contact rate improved from 71% to 81%. And his in-zone contact rate improved from 84%, <clears throat> excuse me, to 89% in 
including 95% against fastballs. Um, and this was on the Cape. And it's similar to Green, it's a big league body. He's super physical at 6'3", 220. Like, he's a guy you see walk off the bus and you're like, whoa, he's he looks different than everyone else. Um, and he simplified his setup, I thought, in the box. It's a minimal load. He lets his hands and natural strength do most of the work. I think he found out, like, okay, I'm a – a very strong physical guy. I don't need to do a lot to get into, to get into the power I possess. And I, and he showed that off this summer. Um, it's above average bat speed. I thought the the path to contact when I saw him, it was pretty direct. And then in terms of the advancements he made with his approach, like he'll eliminate the stride. He'll go, he'll widen his base with two strikes. It's not to the extent that Tommy white does where he gets really deep in his base and, like, that seems it, to be in a little LSU flavor right there because they want yeah. the same thing. There are a number but of like, players on the team actually that will do that. Yeah, but with Smith, it's plus power to all fields, and the hit tool was the hit tool was that I saw was was a good one. Um, it's it was a borderline fifty five. Um, I'd say it was certainly closer to a fifty five than a fifty. And he's got a plus arm at third. He's going to stick at the position, and I think again with him a separator is he's, he's an outstanding makeup guy. Um, super selfless, a great teammate, a, a grinder and a baseball rat in every sense of the word. And that's going to serve him and really anyone else really well in pro ball when it gets hard and you have these inevitable struggles. Um, his, his mental is, is going to go a long way. And so he's someone that I'm really bullish on another guy that's similar to green um, profiles as a day one type of guy right now. And I think has a chance to play his way into the first round, especially yeah. if he puts up first team all ACC, potential ACC player of the year um, type of season. Yeah, I'll mention one player really quickly before we turn over to your piece, Peter. And that's just Charlie Condon, because even in this piece, I probably didn't give him the attention that, that he deserves. But Condon is a guy who, for whatever reason... I, I feel like everything, every time I look at what he's done, his performance, like writing up a scouting report on him, watching him, it's like nothing but extremely impressive. And he also comes out really well in this plot. It was a 23.8% chase rate. It was a 77.6% contact rate. And those numbers are solid, but they're extremely good when you pair that with the fact that he had the fourth hardest 90th percentile exit velocity of this group at 109.6. And maybe it's just a case that that Charlie Condon has only one year in college under his belt, but it's a phenomenal season. But I, I just want to reiterate how good of a hitter Charlie Condon has been. And I really need to just watch him a lot this spring. Cause I feel like for whatever reason in my head, he doesn't pop up into my mind with the Tommy whites, with the Nick Kurtz, with the Jack Caglione's like he probably should. Maybe that'll change. Maybe that'll change quickly this spring. Once we can actually watch, watch some baseball again. Yeah, I'm happy you brought him up too because I think that in in the midst of these flashy names you have within the household names of Tommy White, like you said, and Jack Caglione, Condon seems to get a little bit lost in the shuffle um, and is maybe even a little underrated just in terms yeah. of how much he's talked about. Not more, n- not really as much as how he's represented on draft boards, but small um, school guy at Georgia, you know, that must be the problem. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, but like. He's it's a really, really impressive offensive profile. It's a loose, easy swing, big time bat speed with great hand action, I thought. Um, barrel really throttles through the hitting zone. And then at six six in his stature, um, his operation, I thought it's it's pretty uniquely compact and explosive. Oftentimes with that, you see guys get pretty disconnected in their swing. There's a lot of swing and miss um and approach issues, but Conan isn't isn't one of those guys. And granted, they're you know, it, it, it does come with um, a little bit of swing and miss, but the approach is solid, um, I thought. And the the above average bat to ball skills also stick out. Like in looking at his end zone contact rate um, is 87%, which is more than solid. And then against fastballs 92 and up, he hit 372 last year. Um, and again, like with some of these guys, there are some defensive questions. I think that this spring he's going to play the outfield for Georgia. Um, not 100% positive, but even if like long term he ends up as a first baseman, the bat is enough in my mind to warrant a top, top 20, top 15 overall selection, which is where I think he's going to go. And he could, he could even play himself higher if he convinces teams on his ability to maybe stick in the outfield. Um, 
or as a non-first baseman, there's no reason why he can't go in the potentially be a top 10 overall guy. Yeah, no, I agree entirely. All right. Well, unless you have another play you want to mention from this, uh, this contact power and chase rate piece, let's move into some of the players that, that you wrote up in the, uh, your top 10 non-power five conference prospect list, because, um, this is a fun one. I feel like there are a lot of pitchers that I'm starting to really like, uh, in this sort of phylum of player. And you don't have to give away all of this. Obviously we want people to go to the site and read everything you wrote on these players, but, uh, I'm curious what you thought about putting it together. If it was fairly easy for you to come up with these 10, it feels like there are a lot of good prospects. Uh, I mean, not like that's unusual or anything, but, um, I like all these guys here. There, there are none really that I'm like, eh, you know, this guy's fine. Maybe on day two, all these guys are pretty exciting to me. Yeah, I'm with you. It was weird, like closing out every single one of these reports and kind of reporting on where they might be selected. Like all of these players that I wrote about have day one potential, um, which is really fun. And going back to the title of it, I always catch heat on Twitter from ECU fans (laughs) or even like weird strays from Southern Miss fans, like talking about like power five and whatnot, like if you have a better idea, like my DMs are open, please let the, me know. Um, let I, me tell you that the, the ECU fans are not going to solve this problem, but it's it's very clearly not a pejorative statement from you and from everyone who is not attending a non-Power 5 school or is a huge fan of a non-Power 5 school. It's exceedingly clear what you mean. So if, <laughs> if those fans want to use it as some sort of a like knock that you were not at all intending that that's on them. So I will, I will go to bat for you here on this one. I appreciate the amount of like concern you are bringing to this, but this is, I feel like this is such a non-issue and those fans should just get it. Like everyone knows what we're talking about when we say power five and non-power five, it's just an easy way to bucket these programs. Everyone knows ECU is a good baseball program. Relax. (laughs) I was going to say hot take ECU is a perennial top. Yeah. Like I, they're They're constantly pumping out prospects. They're constantly competitive. They recruit in state better than a lot of the bigger, bigger universities that they're competing with in state who are quote unquote power five. So give it a rest ECU fans. You guys are great. We love you. We love your passion, but, come on (laughs) it's so funny but anyways besides you savage who i think that at this point you savage and a jair up at the top um i think that you know we've talked about his potential especially a savage first round guys um probably more second round at this point but he certainly has the upside to to pitch his way into the first but i was waiting for you to say matt's name because i wasn't sure how to pronounce his last name and i really love matt Ajer. Yeah, he was – well, one, I, I found out the pronunciation um, watching some of his highlights. That's what – I was I looking he, for some actually prior to this podcast because like I know it's going to come up. I was like, let me see if I can find any. But I didn't find any in the brief brief research I was doing. Yeah, I, yeah Savage we've talked about more than Ajer at this point. But I I, um, I, I really like Ajer. And that UC Santa Barbara rotation um, is going to be a really, really dangerous one out west. And I think that – it's one that is slept on right now because you have Azair as the headliner, and then he'll be talked about a lot more as we get into 2025. But they, their Saturday guy right now is probably going to be Tyler Bremner, who is one of, if not the top college arm right now in the 2025 class. Um, there's certainly an argument to be made he could be the top arm. But getting back to Azair, um, he made the jump into the rotation after pitching in the bullpen, kind of a similar path. Um, that you Savage took and the command and control took a huge step forward. Um, during his freshman year, he walked 23 in 38 innings. And then last year he walked 26 in 92 and a third. Um, it's a really good body at six, five, two, ten. some thickness in the lower half. Uh, I thought the operation on the mound and the delivery as a whole, it's pretty easy and low effort. Um, and then the fastball will sit in the, the low to mid nineties and, and constantly bump 96 and, up to 2,400 RPMs, and it's got some riding life through the zone. And then I think that his best secondary offering right now is is his low 80s slider, generated a 41% miss rate last year, tight sweeping action, and then he'll also flash a, a mid-70s curveball that's bigger in shape um, mm-hmm. and depth. And I think that, you know, he's a starter all the way. It's, it's middle of the rotation type upside potentially. Um, and I think that he's in a really good spot to be a day one guy, potentially like top. 55 to 60 overall picks yeah i think i put him as as the final player in our initial full first round mock draft at at 30 overall just because once we got towards the back end kind of hard to find a guy that you have a ton of conviction who's going to 
fit in that range. That's the nature of being at the, the back of the first round. But I really like the ease of, of operation that, that Azure has on the mound. Uh, I like the fact that the strike or yeah, the strikes improved significantly year over year. You mentioned the role change him going from the pen to a starting rotation. With that, he went from a 13.7% walk rate to a 6.8% walk rate. This year, just kind of building on that, on that, I would love to see him kind of get into his bag more on the mound, expand the pitch mix a little bit. He used the fastball and slider, I think, around 90% of the time in total. I would like to see more from um, his secondaries, whether that's curveball, whether that's a changeup. He's thrown both of those. Um, but I would be curious to see, like, what's his third pitch? Because um, like you, I do think he's a starter. I think he has the delivery for it. I think he has the strikes for it. Um, so diversifying the pitch mix a little bit more and then maybe getting a little bit more whiff on the fastball could be two um, traits for him to improve to, to shoot up the board. But I, I love this kind of foundation on the mound and the starter traits that he has. Yeah, absolutely. And I think shifting gears a little bit to the position player side, the guy I wrestled with this one a little bit. And, and honestly, I had the list done and all the reports done and I shoved him um, further up, farther up the board. Um, and it's Will Turner from South Alabama. Um, he's my favorite position player, <clears throat> excuse me, of the group. Um, another guy that was outstanding during his spring season and who I was impressed with during the summer season. He hit 349 at South Alabama with 17 doubles, nine jacks, and 52 RBIs in 54 games. Um, and then he went on and he had an all-star summer on the Cape. He had 295. The, the power wasn't totally there. Um, but he flashed it at times in game. Um, I remember specifically, uh, he hit, a, a no doubt grand slam midway up the tree line in right center field, um, and could to it. And that is, that's not a cheap one. And there was no win that day. Um, so he's got power in there. It's just a matter of, of, of consistently getting into it in game, but it's a wiry athletic frame at six one one ninety five low handset with a really loose swing. And again, he's one of those guys with, with big time bug buggy whip and for a swing comp and you, and if you watch him and from, and you're familiar with his game, um, it is also uh, very Dylan Beavers ish from Berkeley, um, just loose and whippy um, it there's with, with big time hand speed. And I think that the power is above average to the pull side, um, maybe average as a whole. And then the hit tool is really advanced and his best quality is his, is his approach. I think And last year chaser was just 18% swing decisions are really sound. And then he's a, for my money's worth a plus defender and center where his plus athleticism really shines through uh, great instincts. And there's a ton of range to either gap and he's got a borderline plus arm. And I think he's going to stick at the position professionally. And I think that you're looking at a, a top two round guy and hmm. he's got a real shot to be the uh, a higher pick than Ethan Wilson was when he went 49th overall in 2021, another outfielder from South Alabama. But he's a guy I'm pretty enamored with, especially if the power can tick up. Um, if he's a, a 15 plus home run type guy this spring, I think that's going to really help his draft stock out and, I know after this summer, evaluators are really high on him. Mm -hmm. And again, I think that from this chair, he right now is, I'd, I'd take him in the top 50 or so picks. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to like there with how you broke it down. The video that you linked in the story, I guess it was a Jeff video from the Cape. When that was the Grand Slam. Yeah, when he gets into the baseball, it is a ton of fun to watch. The bat flip that he throws off in this clip as well is just phenomenal. It's a Lisa Plus bat flip. Uh, I think Jeff might have even had a, a bigger grade on it, but um, definitely go check that out if you haven't seen it. You can get a little taste of what Will Turner is all about. Um, but yeah, the year-over-year -year improvement for him from 2022 to 2023 was significant. I mean, going from 279 to 349 average, 391 to 460 OPP, and then a 423 to a 591 slug. Just massive, massive improvements across the board. Um, yeah, he's a really fun one. I also like the descriptor buggy whip just in general. And I also know that it is one of your favorites, Peter. I, I personally don't really ever use this term, but I'm curious, like, what would you classify as buggy whip versus 
another like hand speed or bat speed descriptor because I love that phrase. It's a good question. It's a good question. I honestly just use it to mix it up a little bit instead of saying like loose, like quick hands. Yeah. It's just like a guy in the box that you see and like no one's the gonna scout see verbiage it. is is phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, like no one's gonna see it because I'm doing it, but like it's just like loose, like and and just kind of like whippy hands, like it, quick twitch, um, loose hands that that really explode through the zone. And I know that we've used that descriptor a couple times, but Turner and Green, mm-hmm. and then Dylan Beavers, who's now been name dropped twice, um, <laughs> unforeseen. But uh, those those three guys are. Our and Mathis, uh, those are those are four buggy whip guys that mm. that do a good job of it. All right, well, let's pick out one other player and then maybe leave the rest for the site if you guys want to check it out. What, who's one other player that you want to mention here on the podcast before we get out of here? Because I don't want to spoil too much of your behind the paywall content here. Yeah, not to not to only break down the top four, but my I'm literally circling him on my laptop right now um <laughs> it, it's Ryan Forcucci from UC San Diego um I think he has a chance to I don't know I don't want to stick too crazy a label on him but like he certainly has day one upside like he has a chance in my mind to be right there with Ajer. um mm. unintentional rhyme um but I think that right now Ajer is the best west coast arm but for Coochie is fast on his heels. Yeah. Um, he earned a spot in the rotation as a true freshman. Um, he had 53 K's and 53 and two thirds innings. And then remarkably the sophomore he's in the rotation again, of course, but the stuff ticked up ERA went down. Um, and then he also, he, he struck out 69 across again, 53 and two thirds innings, which is very, a, a very funny coincidence. Um, it's a really easy athletic operation on the mound, good direction towards the plate. Um, and then he's got a, he attacks from a three quarter slot and with a low release height, um, and, and present arm speed, the fastball averaged a tick over 93 last year with some carry through the zone. Um, the fastball, like, again, it averaged 93, but he's been up to 95, 96, even 97, Mm-hmm um almost average almost 20 inches of ride um and when it's up it's at its best uh just given the low release height and the carrying life through the zone and the go-to out pitch right now is a mid-80 slider uh he manipulates the shape of it really well and he throw he'll throw it to both right and left-handed hitters um and i think right now it's above average borderline plus um more of a 55 though right now i'd give it a 55 and last year it had a 40 percent miss rate and then i i'm especially excited and right now he's a two pitch guy and this is why i think he's got a chance to really pop i'm excited about the the change up especially um it'll flash some tumble and paid geez some tumble and fade um to the arm side it, it's it was pretty inconsistent last year he didn't throw it a lot mm-hmm. um but even if he can establish that as a, a solid average third pitch or even just a viable third pitch it's gonna really help him out and i think that he's one of these guys that he's an athletic mover he's a data darling um i would not be shocked one um after the very good season i think he's gonna have for some team to maybe bite and reach a little bit early and grab him you know in that right after the first round range maybe where we're all watching on mlb network and watching you on mlb network break it down um, being like Ryan Forcucci, 46th overall. Um, <laughs> like he he's that type of guy to me. So I think he's got a chance to really pop. I think he'll become more of a household name this spring, especially mm-hmm. within draft circles. He already is um, with teams and evaluators, but he's he's one guy that I'm very excited about. Yeah, I like the fact that he's kind of paired here with Ajer because I do think they have some similarities. I like the operations of both players. I like the builds and the physicality of both players. They're both two-pitch dominant pitchers now. They both made significant strides year over year with their strikeout rate and walk rate. Uh, Forcucci went from a 23% strikeout rate to a 30% strikeout rate in 2023. And while I while I have some questions about like the fastball misqualities of Ajer, everything you said about Forcucci's fastball is super exciting. The pitch plays up, averages around 93. The unique ride from that below average release height is really a great combination again if he's a guy who can just 
add a little bit to the pitch mix, show a little bit more of a third offering. A changeup would be phenomenal. Um, there's a lot to like here. There's more projection on the body. Uh, again, I really like the delivery and the operation in general. So, yeah, these are two arms. Um, it wouldn't shock me at all if they're just up arrows on them throughout the season as they go out and post every week. Yeah, big time. And, like, again, it, it's beating a dead horse here. But, like, for Coochie, I was very close to having him third above Turner. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I give the position player the edge. And then for those that read the piece and looking down, like I said, all of all 10 guys on this list um, have day one upside. Some a lot more than others. Um, some, I think, gun to my head, I'd probably say, you know, they're more third to fourth maybe fifth round type guys. Um, but everyone here, it would not shock me to, to, to hear their names called um, in the top two rounds. Absolutely. So definitely go check out Peter's piece if you have not read the full thing yet. Um, a lot of good information there, and you'll be caught up to speed on a lot of these players in no time. Uh, Peter, anything else you want to mention or plug before we get out of here? Yeah, it'll be a little bit more of a quieter week to 10-day stretch on the website for me outside of the podcast, of course. Me and myself and Teddy Cahill um, will be cranking out college preview content with conference previews and top 25 capsules, which will be on the website in due time, um, but they'll be done for the magazine first. Um, but then after that, I'm going to have a an Omaha Sleepers piece um, with five or so teams that I think um, are lesser known nationally right now and will still fly under the radar come tournament time, but have the, I think, depth and ability to to make a run at the College World Series. So I'm excited to dive into that. And then obviously the draft content will continue with various pieces on the website. Um, and then my, my daily scouting report, I guess you could call it, um, on Twitter. Well, there you have it. Lots of stuff coming up from Peter. Uh, for me, I've got a, a fastball piece, uh, kind of looking into fastball pitch shapes from some of the top players in the class. That That is coming shortly on the website. And then uh, some work on our top 100 list for the prospect team. Um, and then I think weekly we'll have more draft pieces as we kind of approach the season. It's getting to the point now where I'm, I'm like filtering down my list of options for travel in the first month to two months. Um, I'm getting ready to book it, but I haven't quite yet. So we're kind of at that point where I'm just really itching to get out on the field and to see some college baseball because it has been a long time uh, and we're getting very, very close. So uh, thank you, Peter, for for chatting with me today. Thank you guys for listening to us talk about some draft prospects. Um, So for Peter, I'm Carlos. So long, everybody. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.